Alrighty. Good afternoon, everyone. This has been a phenomenal conference. I've learned a lot, gotten very excited. Uh, I, I feel like I've gone to IT or blockchain church a little bit. Some of these talks, I almost said, come on now, hallelujah. Okay, so this is literally really, really fantastic. So, my name is Dr. Renee Bovell. I'm an ophthalmologist. I also have a master's in cybersecurity. So like some of the other providers and physicians here, I'm to borrow Dr. Lovey's uh, uh, word, I'm bilingual as well. And this is Dr. Rob Campbell. He's a researcher in cybersecurity, cryptography, and also in quantum technologies. And he also um, ch is chair of the uh, quantum computing research at Captech University in Maryland. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to talk today about blockchain, quantum computing, and healthcare, and discuss some of the threats that quantum technologies uh, provide to blockchain and also some of the opportunities. So let's first talk about what is quantum computing. And you hear quantum this, quantum that. People put, I have a quantum car. Quantum, it sounds like, you know, millennial. It's the next, the next hottest thing. But if you go back to computers, how do computers operate? They use bits, and those bits are either on or they're off, right? One and zero. Well, if you remember back to your college physics, uh, you remember there's something called qubits, and there's something called the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, rings a bell, right? Schrodinger's pad, all of that, right? So with the qubits, Instead of being on or off, at the same time, it could be on, off, or somewhere in between. I know we have some, some British people here. Remind you of anything? The queen waving, right? That's how, true, right? And that's what I want you to remember. I want this to be very familiar and in the forefront of your mind because you're going to always remember quantum computing when you see the queen waving. And I know she might not be here, but maybe she still is here, right? Okay? So that's called superposition. So it could be one or zero or somewhere in between all at the same time. Okay? So that's the qubits. Now, we also have, this is the third premise, of quantum computing. We have entanglement. So what does that mean? Well, you have two qubits, and they are related, and they work together. But they don't have to be right next to each other. One could be here, and we had Dr. Hury. One could be on Mars, and they're that far apart but they're still entangled. So what does that mean? 
you can't describe one without describing the other. Also, if you measure one, and some say even observe one, that can, that can cause a change in the other one, even though they're so far apart. It's kind of mind-blowing, expansive. Einstein called it a spooky, uh, uh, spooky, spooky action at a different at a distance. Di at the distance. That's right. And he couldn't explain it, but he knew it existed, and it's still kind of like that. We know it exists, but we can't necessarily explain it. So those are the three premises of quantum computing. So this next picture with the, you want to add something? Yes. Uh, also, this uh, entanglement, it has opened up uh, new doors uh, to, to our universe. So, for example, this entanglement, if you measure one, uh, it could be a photon, electron, or a molecule, or atom. Uh, the, the effect uh, on the other is instantaneously. So it could be that you know you, you measure a zero, then you automatically you know the other is a one, and it happens faster than the speed of light. It's almost instantaneous. It is essentially instantaneous. So it throws out that you know the universal laws that nothing's faster than the speed of light. So that's that's one principle. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Thank you for bringing that up. So we have this quantum computing. You look at the little picture of the doggy. He's looking at a quantum computer. The quantum computer has three parts, and there are different types of quantum computers now. You have to have the quantum plane where the qubits interact. Then there's a quantum classical interface. Because our software and our algorithms have to act on the classical part of the computer. So we can say this is what we want to look at, these are the algorithms we want, this is the AI we want, but that's generally how it works. And go ahead, yeah, Rob. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, which button? Oh, this one. Okay. Yeah, so um, you probably have heard how many of you heard of quantum computing anyway? You kind of know something about it. Okay, great. This, this is fantastic. So, you know, it's been around for some years where you kind of read about it and some say, well, you know, it'll be, you know, 50 years from now, 30 years from now, um, you know, if ever. Uh, but that's not the case. And what, what I'm showing here is just a fraction of the companies around the world who are engaged in developing quantum computing hardware, software, or services. I mean, it's, this is just a fraction. There are several hundred or more that, that are known, and uh, more being added all the time. I mean, the largest companies in the world, IBM and Google, Microsoft, and China, some of the Chinese companies as well. And what's significant also on this slide is that um, the U.S. government has recognized that, okay, wait a minute, we we got to do something here. Um, so in May, the White House issued uh, an executive memo, said, U.S. government, you got to prepare for the threat of quantum computing. Uh, and then July, uh, NIST came out and said, okay, we have some algorithms that can help mitigate the threat of quantum computing. Here they are. 
So these are indications that the government recognizes that there is an imminent threat. It's not if, it's imminent, right? And so some discussion can be made about exactly when that is, but that's not really relevant because they can store your data now and then decrypt it later until they do have the capability. So all your digital secrets, intellectual property, anything you want to keep secret is not, no longer. So you've got nation states to think about in addition to organized groups and crime and that sort of thing who are involved in this. So on top of that, National Security Agency, I would think most, some of you have heard of the National Security Agency and what they do. They're responsible for our cryptography, right, which is the basis of blockchain, right? So without cryptography, you wouldn't have a blockchain. The blockchain has more cryptography than any other network system that we have. So we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about cryptography. So they came out last week and said, okay, our transition timelines for post-quantum transition is immediate for signing algorithms and firmware updates. And what they mean by that is anytime you get an update like from Microsoft or any other vendor, Microsoft will say, I've got a security update for you or there is some firmware updates that are required. You have to trust that these are authentic signatures that are assigned to this software. Otherwise, you don't know what you're putting on your system, whether or not it's being compromised and being hijacked and taken over. So NSA realizes it's no next year, two years, we've got to do it now. It's instructing their vendors to do it now. They've got to make that transition. So there's some software right now that they have to use. For web browsers, for servers, they're giving up until 2025. That's the latest, right? No later than that. They want you to start doing it now. Now, so this is national security and it's unclassified and classified. And it's really related to any companies who deal with government agencies like, you know, Veterans Administration and that sort of thing. They have a lot of clearance level data. They have a lot of patient data. They have a lot of genome data that they're working with and that sort of thing. So for those vendors who are working with these agencies, you should know about this advisory. Okay, so now, again, back to blockchain. Again, blockchain to me is cryptography. And by the way, if you talk about cybersecurity, the basis of cybersecurity is cryptography. And so if you don't have cryptography, then you don't have cybersecurity. And what this represents here is what a quantum computer does to today's standard cryptography, right? So we talked about digital signatures, your ownership in a blockchain, your private key, your public key. And that's going to be under the term ECC, which is elliptic curve cryptography, right? That's your signature, what you sign with, your private key and your public key. What it says, if you look at the far right, quantum computing, zero bits means it has no protection, zero. So I can own anything that you have. I can forge anything. I can act as you, any kind of data, any kind of asset. 
I can take it over. I can take over the uh, assets of the blockchain. And uh, what this last two rows say, that this is AES, you know, right? <laughs> what this last row says is that it, it's going to reduce the strength. It's, it's, you're still going to have security, but um, it's going to reduce the strength. But what it's going to do is give you an advantage. Um, like, for example, in the blockchain, uh, there's hashes. That if you're doing mining to, to validate and authenticate blocks, um, I can do it much faster using a quantum algorithm. So that means my blockchain will be longer, and, and the rules are the longest blockchain w wins. So everybody that's going to start following me, I can take over, hijack your blockchain, right? That's under a, a quantum algorithm. So what this means is essentially um, blockchains that deal with uh, regulatory data will not be compliant with GDPR and HIPAA. Uh, if you do not accommodate what NIST and NSA is saying, you have to accommodate it. Uh, just a little bit on my background, I, I've been doing uh, cybersecurity, HIPAA compliance uh, for cryptography and all of that for networks since 2012. And we always use NIST as a basis for our reports and our vulnerability assessments. So NIST is telling us that, hey, you got to get ready now. And it takes a lot of time uh, to prepare because these algorithms are nothing like we've ever seen. They're complex. They're big. They're slow. Uh, and you have to be able to uh, plan appropriately to integrate them into your blockchain. Uh, what this shows is how and why a quantum computer is so powerful, nothing like we've ever seen before. Um, if you think about the world's fastest supercomputer, right, they cost hundreds of millions of dollars perhaps, uh, and they may do, let's say, uh, for the sake of argument, uh, petaflops, 10 to the 12, 10 to the 15 operations per second. I mean, billions and billions of operations per second, right? So that's a classical computer, what we call, what we're using today. But I'm going to contrast that with a quantum computer. So focus on the 25 down there. So what, what this means is she talked about bits, and then she talked about quantum bits, so qubits. So if I had 25 bits, classical computer, that what it means is I can I can derive 50 states or 50 possible answers, right? 50, right? With a classical computer, with a quantum computer, because of what she talked about entanglement, I can I can calculate 33,554,000 states, roughly, right? Now, if I add one more electron, one more atom. I double that number, and, and it just leaves classical computing in the dust. It's not even close. So um, it, it's extremely powerful. It has a lot of uh, potential applications, but this is one of the reasons. So, so what this means is obviously I can get 50 potential answers with classical computer, and I can get 33 million answers of probabilities with a quantum computer. So... And one other thing, mm -hmm. this could even become even more, um, more powerful because now they're saying they can entangle not just two bits, 
but more than two bits, even four bits can become entangled. So what does that allow? Even so, more possibilities. Oh yeah, it's extraordinary. So for example, um, AI, machine learning, um, you know, we're starting to think about how we can marry these two um, instead of, you know, AI has been limiting powers processing, all of the probabilities and possibilities that have been limiting, right, in terms of what you can accomplish. Um, but you're talking about a machine that can calculate all probabilities and possibilities and problem set in an instant, in an instant. It's no longer days of calculation, weeks of calculation, in an instant. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit about um, you know the difference between the classical and quantum computer. But the applications, there are so many unrealized. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Uh, people are going to come along and think of things that we haven't thought about yet. But anyway, I see uh, quantum technology and uh, blockchain technology merging is already happening, and we're going to talk about that. Is, is merging for several reasons, uh, necessity, and then it just makes sense in terms of uh, what you get out of it. So uh, if we look at the blockchain layers, you know, obviously you've got these standard layers for, for the most part, presentation, user interface, consensus, network layer, data layer. Uh, every layer, I, I would say even some of the hardware layer is threatened, meaning that everything from, except the fiber optic cable coming into your house is threatened uh, by this if we don't make the changes uh, to the post-quantum and quantum uh, cryptography. So any layer, smart contract, doesn't matter. All of it's threatened. If I own your private keys, um, you know, I have your, your public keys, um, and I can hijack the blockchain itself. Uh, what, what's left? Right. All right. So when I say merging uh, quantum technology, merging with blockchain technology, um, this is a, just a very simple, easy thing to do um, that will strengthen any blockchain or any network instantly. And, and what, the reason why I say that, I, I said, okay, cybersecurity, the basis of cybersecurity is cryptography. And if you look at cryptography, the basis of cryptography is random number generation. It starts with that. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's post-quantum cryptography, if it's classical cryptography, if it's quantum cryptography. It starts with a random number. And we have been using pseudo-random Right, pseudo-random meaning in the operating system, we, we say, "Oh, yeah, I want to get a random number." It's not really random, but quantum technology is so cheap now for random number generators. They put them in smartphones. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just cheap, right? If you do this, you strengthen your network. Just this, this, and then you can say, "Well, my my blockchain is quantum enabled, right?" So you, at the very basis, you strengthen your network. So uh, it doesn't matter, like you, you're talking. Oh right, <laughs> okay. All right. So let me let me let me get through it. Uh, okay, just one more uh, potential application is QKD. I'm not going to uh, talk about that, but anyway, at the top layer, you know, the, the solution is going to be uh, the post-quantum cryptography that NIST is talking about. 
uh, along with what I'm talking about, which is the quantum random number generator, that's going to really uh, be potential solutions. They're near term, that you can do them now. Uh, let's see. And that's you. Okay, good. Oh, 10 minutes. Okay, good. So we'll have a little time for questions, I think. Okay, so I think Rob has gotten your attention with why we need to really invest in quantum technologies now. And what I'd like to let you know is that it is here now, okay? So we talked about the threats, but now we can talk about how quantum technologies can enable your security. And we know that our health data is the most important data that we have, okay? And so there now exists quantum computing as a service, okay? And these are some of the organizations. There's quantum blockchains, there's research, there's the quantum exchange, and these are leveraging quantum, some of it's the random number generators, sometimes it's used by the uh, QKD, but it is here now. Some of them use the Ethereum blockchains, which are, you know, you can use smart contracts. So it's here now for you to use. I'd like you to even see here that there are hackathons that use quantum level technologies. I'm going to open it up to questions. Yeah, in just a moment. So it's, it's here now for you to use. Now, it's important to recognize that if it's here for us, those of us who are rule followers and do the right thing, it's also going to be here for other people who don't do the right thing. And uh, last, last month, um, since we're involved in healthcare data, we know that um, there's healthcare um, uh, cyber insurance against for 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 uh, ransomware. Well, Lloyd's of London last month said they're no longer going to provide cyber insurance if they feel that the actor, the threat actor, was a nation state. The reason why is because they're going to consider that an act of war, and you know, insurance is, is generally not covered under acts of war. So the reason why I'm telling you that is because it's time now to employ these technologies now because you're not going to be able to be insured against it if it's performed by a nation state and with all the wars going on, you okay. know what's happening. Uh, let me just say one more thing. With health care, health care is not one or zero. We know, I was just speaking with somebody, the beekeepers, we deal in the realm of possibility. Is it possible I could have this disease or not? Well, quantum allows us in healthcare to deal in that realm of possibility because there's so many different states it can be in and, you know, there's lots of applications that we can use both blockchain combined with quantum computing to give you all of these realms of possibilities. Okay. So we would like to open to any questions. I know we don't have that much time. Yeah.
No. Yeah. Can you repeat the question? Oh, I'm sorry. He asked if the Ethereum merge, you know, they moved from proof of work to proof of stake. I think it's already happened or it's in... Today. Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, I mine Ethereum, so I need to switch over. But, so, no. You know, Ethereum is proof of work and it migrated to proof of stake. Now, proof of work had a security model, right? So there's something you could evaluate that said the hash power is this, and so in order to overtake it, you need a greater hash power, right? Which a quantum computer wouldn't have a problem with. But the proof of stake doesn't have a security model. The proof of stake says that you've got assets, digital assets, at stake, and it's relying on you not to do bad things because you may lose those assets. That's not a security model, right? You know, so, no, it's, to me, it's a joke. Yeah. Sorry. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Dr. Jackson. Okay, the solution is you can still use blockchain technologies, but it can be quantum-enabled. So let me go back here. So some of, and I don't have any financial interest in any of these companies, neither does Rob. So, but I'm letting you know that you can, there are companies out there that you can use, and they allow you to use, put your blockchain on their quantum-enabled platform. These are just a few of them. There are others out there. So I'm not saying abandon blockchain. Absolutely not. Keep it. But just use the quantum technology to make it secure. To make it stronger. So there's a difference now. We use terms post-quantum, quantum, right? These are different categories are totally different. Post-quantum is based on mathematics, and what that means is that it relies on the adversary's ability to compute, calculate, right? Quantum does not. It doesn't care about an adversary's compute power because it uses physics, quantum mechanics, right? It's a whole different process, a whole different discipline. So a quantum computer theoretically wouldn't do very much at this time, point in time at all against quantum cryptography, but there's, there's, everything could be hacked, right? So already there are papers I've been reading about how to hack quantum cryptography. So anything that's really made can be hacked, but some things are harder than others. But the, the answer to your question is, it, the quantum technology is merging with blockchain to make it stronger. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, with healthcare, again, as Rob said, anything could be hacked, but what is HIPAA? require us to take reasonable measures. So NIST is saying this is what we have to do. So in order to be in compliance, which we do with healthcare compliance, we have to do what NIST says. So that's it. Yes, sir.
At run time. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, let me uh, try to address your first, <laughs> your first question. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, NSA has recommended uh, what they call hash-based signatures, right? Uh, they seem to be difficult to to crack from a quantum perspective, but they're also difficult to implement and difficult to use. So. One example is they're stateful keys, right? So you get, you should only use it once. If you forget somehow, you use that key again, then you compromise the whole system. So it's not something that is going to be mass adoption. <laughs> yeah. And what was your second, really quick? Implementation is everything. Doesn't matter if you have a near perfect algorithm. If you don't implement it without flaws, then you, you start out uh, in a bad place. And they're still so working on those missed algorithms. One more. One more. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I showed. I had a slide. I showed all of those companies. Uh, now. You have to keep in mind that there is a commercial, uh, unclassified public world, and then you have a not so <laughs> public, not so commercial, uh, meaning governments, because this is the highest priority of nation states around the world. Because if I can get all of your digital secrets, all of your IP, your banking, your military secrets, political secrets, is of the highest priority, but they're not going to tell you. <laughs> you know, they're not going to tell you where they are. So all we can go on is what, you know, IBM says, oh, they got a 4,000, you know, qubit uh, processor coming out next year. All we can go on is commercial. But if NSA is telling their contractors, you need to take action immediately, then you, you can kind of read between the lines, right? And there are even some cell phones that use quantum random number generators. Yeah. yeah. From Korea. Yeah. That's it. Anybody? Okay.
All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>